Hello and welcome. I'm Jill Martin, the host of the Morning Bell podcast. This is the first in our series from the Somerset Celebration of Literature 2018. In this dual episode, Ian and I are joined by Jacqueline Moriarty and Jessica Watson. Jacqueline is well known as the prize-winning, best-selling author of novels for young adults, and sometimes for slightly older adults. A former media and entertainment lawyer, Jacqueline's books include the Ashbury Brookfield series and the Colors of Madeline trilogy. The first two books in that trilogy were both awarded the New South Wales Premier's Literary Award and the Queensland Literary Award. The extremely inconvenient adventures of Bronte Metalstone, her most recent book, is the first she has written for younger readers. In this episode, we talk about the books that stay with you and those that you move on from, the pacing of novels changing today, and the magic of fantasy ever enduring. I'll be back a little later on to introduce Jessica to you. Thanks, and we hope you enjoyed listening. Hello, and welcome to the Morning Bell Podcast. My name is Joel, and I am joined, as always, at the Somerset Celebration of Literature by my co-host, Ian. How are you going? Pretty good, Joel. Just, uh, we're on to our second podcast of the day. The heat is on. I feel like I start most of our podcast at Somerset being like, how is the heat, Ian? Well, it's, it is on my mind. I am wearing a long sleeve shirt, but uh, this one's actually not too bad in the heat. This is kind of well... It well does not look like it would deal well with the heat. No, it's actually doing all right. I, I feel pretty good. Yeah, I am not. Uh, this shirt is really not great. You are wearing a tie as well. I am me. wearing a tie. This you is know, on me. You didn't step back from the threshold. You dived over it. That is true. I am... <laughs> It, this is the hero's journey that ends with a tragedy, really. There we go. That's, that's what it is. That's, that's my dress code. Jacqueline, very happy to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. So, Jacqueline, how are you finding uh, Somerset? I love Somerset. It's great. It's, um, it's a beautiful school. And I mm. love hot weather. You took it. I, mm. In Sydney, when it's summer and everybody complains about the heat, I'm secretly thinking, no, no, keep it going. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow, see, you, you and I, I don't think we'll be living in the same zone here, because I'm like, as soon as it gets to, like, the cold of winter, I'm like, and everyone's complaining about the cold of winter, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. like, cool it down. Yeah, keep, yeah. Keep, keep it going down. Keep, keep it cool. I always feel like the, you're, a, you're a more interesting special person if you like winter. Oh. Ooh. oh no, you, you're an interesting special person, and you like summer. So I'm, I'm maybe, the ex, you know, This is the exception. The there you go. Uh-huh. Well, then you must be really enjoying the heat, I'm assuming. I am. I love it. Yeah. Everyone yeah. say, oh, are you okay? Yes, I am okay. I'm more than okay. <laughs> I am thriving. Great. Can we get more? <laughs> Fantastic. Well, this doesn't happen a lot, but um, it's been happening more and more to us in the fact that we're talking about SpecFic. Mm. Especially with our upcoming SpecFic Festival, it's something that's on our minds, and we really can't wait to talk about it more and more. And a lot of the podcasts that we're doing outside of Somerset are SpecFic-focused. But Jacqueline, you write a great amount of SpecFic. You write a lot of magical realism, and that is very present in your work. What's that connection with you in terms of SpecFic? Why, why the attraction to that? Um... Well, the, f- the first few books that I wrote were realistic fiction. Sure. And all the time, I was always trying to find a way sideways into magical worlds. Mm. That's the kind of book that I liked when I was a kid reading. Sure. That's what yeah, yeah. it seemed to me the point of stories yeah. was to go into another world and the possibilities of magic. And mm. um, realistic fiction seemed to me like 
you know how art, when it's just a photographic portrait, yep. it seems, what's the point? Yeah. That's very, that's a good work, but um, I see you've put effort in there, but yeah. you could just take a photograph. <laughs> <laughs> so the kind of art I like is the kind that, not, not abstract, where you don't know what's going on, yep. but yeah, the kind yeah. of art I like is where you take reality and skew it and, and yep. make it, because we're already living in the real world. So yeah. with my first book, I thought I better, um, I, I wanted to get published. I mm -hmm. had written lots of stories and yeah. started books all my life, which were always fantastical. Yeah. But then I thought, I'm taking it seriously. <laughs> I am going to write a book that is going to get published. Yeah, yeah. And that was a kind of, um, it was when I was living in England and mm. I made a kind of pact with myself. Sure. I'm not going to be allowed to go home from here until I have got a book wow. Wow. published. Mm -hmm. So um, that's when I wrote Feeling Sorry for Celia, which mm -hmm. I, um, so it was realistic fiction, but I already had I'm in the edges trying to get it a bit magical. So <laughs> yeah, it's about yeah. a girl in a high school in Sydney, but she gets letters from imaginary associations, like the Cold Hard Truth Association and the mm. Society of Teenagers telling her all the things that are wrong with her. Sure, yeah. So that's mm, right. basically the voices in her head. Mm. So there's a psychological mm. legitimacy to it. Yeah. But that was my way of being a bit fantastical. Yeah, so each yeah, of yeah. my books I got a little bit more of that. So yep. then I had a ghost in one of them yep. until I jumped. <laughs> <laughs> Fall into the sea. Yes. Yep. And so of my fantasy. trilogy was... Yeah, yeah. But the kind of fantasy I have always liked also is the kind that has a, a little bit of a context or an edge in the real world. Yeah, that yeah. magical so realism. That yeah. I'm walking through um, the cupboard, the Narnia, going so yeah. because yeah. I want access to the magical world. I want to believe that it is mm. true. And yeah. Then, so yeah. I want to think I could get there if I wanted. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's really interesting what you say about um, fantasy. One of the uh, authors of the festival, he mentioned uh, to me, uh, Andrew McDonald. Mm. We were doing an interview, and he and he said something that was really really struck with me and I'll modify it a little bit but basically when I think of fantasy I think of a mirror and it's a reflection of uh, you but fantasy is that kind of distortion that happens on the mirror that like blurring of colors mm. you know and the reflection is no longer you but something a lot different a lot more interesting um, and it's really interesting that you mentioned that fantasy can do so much more and magical realism can do so much more um, Narnia was a big influence in you Ian yeah I mean for me I agree with you that that sentiment uh, Jacqueline of feeling like you wanted to um, to escape to a world and uh, for me my, my wife and I have very different tastes in this she's like the more real the better it is you know get me into the nitty-gritty of life um, and doesn't really read a lot of fantasy whereas for me I'm like you know what I just I think life is real enough for me and you know yeah, I, I come across yeah. these things I live these things and for me when I sit down with a book I just want to get taken somewhere that I hadn't thought of before uh, introduced to something that's new and interesting so yeah I totally I totally hear you on that I wonder in, in saying that if that was always kind of in your mind did was it a how did your publisher find it when you kind of went or did, were they like yeah that makes sense to us we can kind of see how that would happen or was there a bit of nervousness I think their hearts sank. <laughs> it was a mistake. I know it's a mistake. You're supposed to, and yeah. you get that advice. You have to stick to a brand yeah, yeah, and build yeah. your build your audience. Yeah, because they market you as something. Market yeah. you as a certain kind of person, mm. and and um, they. But my publishers are always supportive and say this is what it, yeah, this yeah. is where your heart is going. Then we'll yeah. follow you there. But they do. I yeah. keep disobeying them. <laughs> <laughs> 
trilogy, they said, okay, now let's get you back to realistic fiction. <laughs> this is yeah, where yeah. the book sales are. And I went home and wrote a book about a girl whose parents have been killed by pirates and she has to travel the kingdoms and, uh, kingdoms and empires with the treasure chest. <laughs> so that was after a very a lunch where they were very yeah. fun. Okay, realistic fiction is what you can do. So, yep. And also you're not supposed to, you're supposed to stay with a particular age group yep. and yep. genre. And I go from young adult and I've written a couple of adult books mm -hmm. and then for slightly younger kids. But I know lots of my favorite writers do that too. Yes, I think, absolutely. I, I think you have to do it. Yeah. Even though it's a terrible mistake. Yeah, I mean, that, that's interesting to me as well. Have you found that there are readers who've followed you through all of this? Or has, I guess the question is about demographics and, and the, the kind of tapping into new markets. Was it, in the end, despite the publisher's fears and you know, the struggles that could be there, did you find that the audience translated well? Or was it, um, were there any particularly rough, rough uh, patches to the transition to going either way? Uh, Yes, it was a difficult transition at first, but then the readers eventually follow you, mm -hmm. and, and you find new readers, and then yeah. they go back and read the other books. So, mm. if you have loyal enough people, but then there are there are people who say like your wife, I can't stand fantasy. Yep. Yeah, so, yeah. So, um, and I, f I feel like I'm a little bit of that kind of person myself. Mm. Even yeah. though I love writing fantasy, mm. I just often say if. If this book is described as pure fantasy, yeah, yes. yeah. this is something. So, yeah, we, we hate we to interrupt. Just, yeah, yeah, this we, is. Sorry, yeah, not to interrupt. <laughs> we, we were discussing this because yeah, personally, yeah. when I get to the end of like to the the high fantasy stuff, I really struggle to, to live. Yep. There. Yep, I yep, find yep. that I want to. I want to have some kind of a grounding, and maybe that's more of a modern fantasy take. That's exactly what I think. That I don't want to. I yeah. Maybe you feel a bit lost, and you need to sure, be more. Yeah. And like I said before, I want to believe I can get there. And if I'm suddenly in this world with all its complicated rules, yep. and also I just never liked a lot of those books have a lot of journeys and battles, mm. and you know that there's going to be a battle coming. Yeah. When I've read those books, you know when they stop after they have a battle, mm. and they go and stay in an inn. Yeah. And they <laughs> sit by the fire yeah. and they bandage up their wounds. Yeah. yeah. I have hot chocolate and, and warm <laughs> yep. soup. That's the bit that I love. Okay. So I'm always yeah, yeah, happy yeah, yeah. in those bits, and then oh, okay, now I have to go out and have another battle. Yeah. So yeah. yeah so I talk about how I love fantasy. The quiet moments. Fact, yeah. 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 I always like the quiet moments, and so it, with my trilogy, mm. um, the first book in the trilogy, A Corner of White, I there was it started with the possibility of the young hero is about to go on his big journey mm. and i just kept making things happen so he couldn't go yeah, yeah. so yeah, he yeah, never yeah, actually yeah. went on a journey at all he stayed in his oh, wow. yeah, yeah. broke his ankle and then yeah. there was that yeah he had to look after the butterfly child and that fell through the, from the air so something kept having to thwart to thwart him yeah it's my own little game with I'm going to keep my fantasy character at home. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's one of those things that in fantasy is really interesting because the age group is also, I think, really um, influenced and really influential on the genre as well that I see. It, it, it changes the readership. But the question for you, I think, um, Jackie, is that in writing for, let, let's say in your writing for, for younger kids and for YA, they are much more ready to take on fantasy and take on that. And what do you think that attraction is? Do you think it's because the world is still so big for them that all these things are absolutely possible? Yeah, and the open... I think as we get older, our minds go shut down. Yeah. Closing, everything's closing down and we get much more serious and mm. we want everything to be plausible and prove it. And yeah, yeah. So, but at the... Um, 
some of my books I've had adult readers, quite intelligent adult readers, mm. saying it just didn't make sense. It is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. And ten-year-olds who understand exactly what I'm talking yeah. about and, and they embrace it and the so it's that open, malleable mind that yeah. is ready to say because you're still learning what the rules of the world are. Yeah. So then you're you're willing to say, okay, these are the new rules. Yeah. But now then you grow up and say, I've got the rules. Mm. Don't you dare try and mess me up yeah. with more rules. Oh man. Yeah, that can happen. I, I, I think about actually, because going back sometimes to books that we read when we were young, I went back and reread, um, it was a few years ago now, I reread um, Raymond E. Feist's Magician, um, which was which I loved when I was like uh, 13, 14. I'd never read anything like it. My brother was really into it. My brother actually has very much stayed in that kind of fantasy. He's reading through uh, The Wheel of Time. Oh, wow. You know, 50,000 books. Yeah, there. Yeah, He's like, that's yeah. my life challenge now. He's got three kids. I was like, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. fine. You go for it. Um, but yeah, going back, I found, uh, this isn't actually so much what I'm into these days. I wonder... Um, first of all, just about some of the authors that you loved growing up. Um, is there anything that you've gone back to and found like it still really rings true, or that you've, your tastes have changed particularly from books? Yeah, it's a really good question because that is, I do reread and I go back to new book. I mean, other books by the same yes. authors. Yeah. And sometimes it's fantastic because I can feel immersed in exactly the same experience yeah. that I had then. So I used to read um, E. Nesbitt, the. Yep. Um, Five Children and It, The Phoenix and the Carpet, they were my big magical books. Yeah. And luckily I still love her and they give me exactly the same feeling. But some books, and mm. I, I won't say them because I don't yeah. want to be mean to them, but some books where I really think, why did I ever do yeah. this? It's ridiculous. <laughs> and yeah. Then, and sometimes I don't think it's necessarily as well that the book is, has the book hasn't changed. I mean, the book is still there, but often I think it can be those layers that we've kind of added on to our life. And and once you've added those layers, you go back. And I think um, for, for magician, it was still like I was like, wow, I can't believe someone actually did this epic story. I don't remember it being as epic as this. I recall yeah. sitting there thinking, I don't. And so it was interesting how my perception of the story as well. And I found that as well. I've been um, replaying a couple of old video games, rereading a couple of old books, and sometimes my perception of a particular moment. Actually, I can think of this for the movie as well. Um, I looked back at um, the end of The Count of Monte Cristo, the movie. And I oh, had, wow. Uh, yes. You're making me very happy here. Yeah, no, it's great. Love that movie with uh, Guy Pearce. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, Jim Cavazell, yeah. yeah. Jim Cavazell. I was going to say Jesus, but yeah, he did that too. <laughs> but yeah, I remember them facing off, you know. Um, in, the, in the field. Yeah, and the way that I remember that in my mind was like Twilight and all this certain stuff. It's interesting when you go back to things and that it isn't quite what you've crystallized in your mm. memory. And romanticized. Yeah, I find that fascinating that uh, often the children's books are actually quite paper thin. There's not much going on in sure, them yes. when you read them, but uh, your memory of them is... So you have put so much in from your own child's imagina mm. imagination, yeah. you have created the whole world, yeah. and you think it's a brilliant book, but actually it's your own work. Yes. And so nice. when, you, when I go back to those books and I think, there is nothing in this book, it's really basic. <laughs> yeah. And also there are events in it, like you say, that become huge in your memory, yep. and things that, you know, kids get really mad about mm, things, yeah. like yep. furious Because they're very them. invested, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. So, and I remember, there are books where I have a kind of negative, I have a really angry feeling about them when I look at it, because yeah. I remember this character who was mean to this child and and the injustice in, I, I find with my I've got an 11 year old yeah, and when yeah. he reads I feel like he's when I'm reading to him or he reads himself and he gets to a bit where there's a teacher who has who is being unjust to a child mm. and he can't stand it and he wants yeah. to throw the book away he's so mad yeah, yeah. and I can read it and just go oh that's kind of funny that he's, yeah, 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 you yeah. know he's going to get his comeuppance eventually but mm. 
and that's your memory of it from and then when you read it and you think that is actually such a tiny episode in the book and mm. it's what has got its claws into you yeah it's it's something i can definitely speak to uh we've mentioned c.s lewis a lot in these podcasts and i think he's a he's a huge influence on a lot of the children's writers um but i think the Horse and His Boy, in my opinion now, is probably one of his weakest works in the right. Narnia series. Um, but when I first read it when I was a kid, it was my favorite book in the series. Yeah, right. Because it was such a journey for the character and the relationship with the horse and him mm. and the, the chase, but uh, trying to get away from the lion who they don't know who it is. And yeah. it's such an impactful book. And then I read it and I'm like, this is his worst book. You know, yeah, this is really simple. Worst, yeah. There are no themes here that are very interesting. It's a very simple adventure story. I don't get it. Well, what was I thinking? Yeah. But at that moment, that was what I really connected with me. So yeah, that, that's really interesting. Um, I, I also recall, you know, you can kind of, you talk about moments to get their hooks into you. And I think those are, those are really key as well. And you don't know what it's going to be with the reader. You don't know exactly the moment that's going to be that significant point. Um, I wonder, was there a particular book though? We've, we've talked about this a bit recently, a book that, um, that you couldn't put down. Do you remember kind of the, one of the first books that you were reading that you just couldn't tear yourself away from? For me, again, it was The Last Battle. I remember that as yeah. being one that I just couldn't put down. I kind of went on and on with. Is there any particular book that stands out? It doesn't necessarily have to be in that exact sense or, a, you know. I feel like I, all my books, I couldn't put them down. Uh, yes? Just, yeah. yeah. When I was, I just spent all my childhood reading. Enraptured, yeah. And I couldn't stop. So we were yeah. always getting into trouble for... I loved Roald Dahl's books. Oh, yeah, yes. great. Yeah. And yep. So I probably couldn't put them down. And now... And Diana Wynne-Jones, I mm-hmm. knew, yeah. So I adore her, and I still read her books and love them. Yeah. But it's interesting, the books that you can't put down, but that has become key these mm. days. Children's books that I read um, that were classics yeah. often did not have that. Um, they could often be quite leisurely. Yes, the pace was quite pace yeah, was, different. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you could just have, in the first chapter, they have a tea party. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. in the next chapter, they go and buy socks. And I was really happy to be in that yeah. world, and I didn't need it. I feel like these days there is such an emphasis on the structure of the book. You need mm. to have something. The at hook risk right at the, the start. Hook, yep. a hook at the start. Yep. You need to have a risk. Something is at risk. What's yep. at stake here yep. in this yep. chapter? Yep. And I've, I don't know if it, whether that's a mistake because mm. you don't always need to have. Reading doesn't have to be a page-turning, frantic, suspenseful experience. Yeah. You can escape, and I think people are worried. Children are not. Going to children are going to get bored, but yes. often they're not. They're, it's just us saying, "Quick, we have to keep things exciting for children. Yep. We have to rush it through." When in fact they might like some quiet time, just to spend time with yeah. friends and go to new places. You know, you, you mentioned the Count of Monte Cristo, and <laughs> reading that when I was younger was one of those books that was ridiculously like enthralling to me. And, and <laughs> at its heart, it's an adventure story, but. The Count of Monte Cristo's first chapters, nothing happened. It was just a slow burn, mm. learning about the characters, nothing, you know, at stake. You didn't really understand what was going on. But the world was so beautiful and so magical, even though it was grounded entirely in that history in France, that, yeah, I can absolutely speak to that. Um, mm. How about you, Ian? Yeah, I think that there's... Um, you, you're not necessarily so aware of it, but now you, you do. Yeah, you mentioned the hook early mm. on as well. Like, the, the killer first line is often yeah. something that, you know, comes in. And I, I get it, you know, I, I understand why that's important. Um, it's, it's something when, when I was starting out, I absolutely didn't understand. I was like, why the killer first line? Yeah, like, exactly. Things do stick in your mind, and I don't I don't mind that. But I think, yeah, there's, there's a lot of pressures, I suppose, that people yes. feel in the industry. And in the end, it's still, it's a, it's a business, and people have to, yeah. to find a way to... 
continue to survive and to make yeah, money yeah. and to thrive. And so, you know, finding those pathways through has necessitated a tightening of narratives and that kind of thing. Yeah. It'd be interesting to know whether that's a, a long-term trend. Um, or whether that will, yeah, lead into an older, you know, sense of slower storytelling well, and now, easy storytelling. That's interesting, because in TV, we do see a little bit of this. And, and exactly, heard, uh, yeah. Slow yeah. TV, is that what it's called? Have you heard of this? So, like, the, um, I believe that they have some on Netflix in the US uh, where, like, they'll put a camera on a train. They've actually, they've done it recently in Australia. They put a, cam a camera on... Um, oh, the, the gun. Uh, the gun. And they did the whole journey. Streamed the whole thing. That is, like... A revolutionary counter yeah, yeah, yeah. to everything that we know about entertainment. And I mean, thousands of people were watching that camera on a train. Yep. Yeah. So that's an interesting thought. Is there such a thing that could happen in books? Uh, any thoughts on that, Jack? Is there? Have you seen any kind of throwback against that? Or do you feel like we're going to continue with a, a tight feel? No, it's a great thought. I think we probably are. There's always backlashes against yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And the balance is always shifting. So it probably will change and probably following television. At the moment, we are... A, completely entrenched in the tight narrative yes. approach though I think yeah but maybe because reality TV is can be slow and meaningless mm. and people yep. can be mesmerized by that so it might find its way it's true. too yeah absolutely I'm kind of following on from a thought earlier if I can we've also talked with a few uh, writers about finding a voice mm. um, because it's been something that I personally have been reflecting on myself um, do you feel that there was when you started out um, writing do you feel like you um uh, had to kind of, had a particular authorial voice that was coming through you. Do, do you look back on that writing now and think, gee, I can really see that influence in my writing? Was there a particular point where you felt like you really had moved past that? I'm just interested in knowing. It's a, um, that's a great question too. I think that um, all, a lot of my stories that I was writing before my first book were other people's voices. Yeah. And I think everybody does that. And yeah. I think this is how you write a book. Yep. And a lot of... When I started... YA was a much bigger American um, and an English field than Australian. There were hardly any Australian YA books. So in my mind, I thought writing YA meant writing an American-style book. Yeah, And right. I kept starting, writing first chapters, and they weren't working, mm. and I didn't know why, and I didn't realize till afterwards it was because I was trying to write like an American yep. without actually realizing that these... So there's a kind of distance mm. to me because I hadn't, at that time, I hadn't been to America. Yeah. And so I thought, this is how you write. You write these kind of almost imaginary worlds without realizing that they were writing exactly what happened in their own high school mm. and yeah. in their own life. And to me, it seemed, must be invented. Yeah. So to me, it was invented, but to them, it's, it's It was real. their reality, yeah. And it wasn't until I read um, John Marston... Uh, letters from the inside and so much to tell you yeah and he writes I was so astonished that he could write in the voice of a teenage girl yeah so he's a middle-aged man writing the voice of a teenage girl and it was so familiar and real mm. and immediate and that he was getting it exactly right and I was reading it thinking how is he doing this yeah and then I had this ridiculous revelation that I should have had already before which was that I was a teenage girl myself yeah, too. Yeah. I yep. could do this. Yep. And that's it, the moment when I found my voice really, where I, yeah. where I stopped. I'd been trying to write this book, Feeling Sorry for Celia, about two girls writing mm -hmm. letters to each other. And the whole time I'd been writing it from and through an American filter. Sure. And it was when I thought, okay, now imagine that I am this character. Yeah. 
in who is a 15-year-old girl whose teacher said, you have to write a letter to blah, 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 and then what would I do? Yeah. And so I gave myself all the attributes of that character, and then that's when I started to, yeah. then the writing started to work. One one question from that, uh, Jackie, is that you mentioned um, putting yourself in that place and being able to connect with that voice. Was that process ever very um, difficult where you were putting a lot of yourself into the book? Did it feel natural? You know, how, how did that process actually happen? Uh, it's, yeah, it's, I think the challenge you realize is to be as honest mm. as you can. And the best writing is where you get under the layers and find your own voice. So yeah. I found um, my, two of my sisters are writers too. And I remember Leon's first book was a very good book and was a masterful narrative. Yeah. But I wasn't, I, I thought, this isn't her. I can't see my sister in this book. So yeah. other people were saying, it's a fantastic book, I love it. And yeah. I, was, I was saying, it's good, but I don't love it because yeah. I yeah. love my sister and I know she's, there's more to her. Yeah. And then the next couple of books, it was more and more of her. her. Yeah. And then when, when I when it felt like that is completely my sister and her intelligence and humor, that's when her book took off. Mm. So I think getting under the layers is really hard to do. Yeah. And and then it can be fun. You don't always have to. It doesn't always have to be you. Sometimes you have that role playing. Yeah. 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 Of, but again, thinking about actors, I always think about actors how they say when they're playing someone who is completely unlike them, they try to drawer on the part of themselves that yes. is like that. Yeah. So I do that with every character that I write, try and find a little bit of me that's like that mm. person. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Jacqueline. It's interesting to talk about voice, about truth in voice, um, and about fantasy, and it's, it's play in literature. So thank you very much. Really appreciate you coming it's over. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Fantastic. Coming up is our next guest, Jessica Watson. At 16, Jessica became the youngest person to sail non-stop and unassisted around the world. Along with further sailing successes, she was also named Young Australian of the Year in 2011. Jessica's number one best-selling memoir, True Spirit, was released in 2010 and her novel Indigo Blue was published in January. We chat about the magical realism of a recent book, her writing influences, growing up, and venturing into the great beyond that is Goodreads. Thanks, and we hope you enjoy listening. Hello, and welcome to the Morning Bell Podcast. I am joined by my co-host Ian, and we are at the Somerset Celebration of Literature for another interview. Ian, how's it going? Great. It's early in the morning, cool breeze coming through, you know, just for all those out there today, forecast points to a lovely, uh, <laughs> lovely day. Oh. I'm practicing for another career in weather, apparently. <laughs> right, <laughs> yes, I can see it in your future. Um, it is very cool right now. Well, not very cool, but... Cool for the Gold Coast. Cool for the Gold Coast, yeah. yes. But it has been another lovely... We had a great night last yep. night, um, chatting with the kids, doing some stand-up improv and that was a lot of fun hmm. um but we've got a very wonderful guest for you today jess welcome to the podcast no thank you for having me beautiful all right so jess how's your experience been at the festival what's it been like 
Look, it's awesome. I actually grew up on the Gold Coast in the mm. early years. I you know, went to a primary school down the road and I got to come every year. My mum would sort of take me out of school and, and bring me with my siblings. So oh, yeah. I think, you know, somebody actually asked um, yesterday, well, you know, what's important about these things? And, you know, do you think it works? I'm like, yes, I'm here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I came as a kid and saw these yeah. authors and went, hey. That, oh, wow, you know, yeah. So it clearly worked. So, yeah, in that regard, it's just so awesome to be back, you know, yeah. having, yeah, been on the other side of it and then yeah. being, you know, up on stage. Is that a little bit surreal? Like, oh, wait, I'm on the stage. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I once visited uh, as part of the book tour with the first book and that was just all such a blur that I don't didn't really get the chance <laughs> to let it sink in. But sure. this time it's different. I'm kind of here and there's the time to, to really celebrate it and, and enjoy it, I suppose, yeah, yeah. as well. Absolutely. And we're also chatting with a lot of authors about, you know, the... Not so much the toll it takes, but it does take away from your writing time, right? It takes away from a lot of other things you do. But a lot of the time, it's also a very healthy thing to be able to engage with your audience. How have you found that so far? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think you just kind of completely go, well, I'm not going to get anything else productive done while I'm here, but (laughs) just accept that and move on. Yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, no, it's, I mean, actually being able to chat with other authors and Mm. see what kids are talking about and hearing the little snippets of conversation is, I mean, that's invaluable. So yeah, and yeah, just, I suppose, seeing how it's received a little bit too. Yeah. Mm. No, it's really good. And uh, I mean, making that transition sometimes from um, from uh, childhood memories of something to adulthood can be a bit of a, an odd experience. Is it, is it good to come back? Because I know you're, you're, down, you're not you know, based out of here anymore. Um, do you find that kind of coming back, uh, there's, a, there's a really smooth transition that's happening to you as an author now? I suppose. It feels, <laughs> it feels natural enough. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, come back and as much as you're sort of surrounded by all these, you know, amazing names, you're going, mm. wow, it's also, everyone's so friendly and it is so natural yeah, yeah, that yeah. it is easy just to kind of feel at home. One big happy family. Yeah, <laughs> e- even yeah. though it is still a bit surreal and you're going, wow, I'm really, you know, on a session next to mm. some of these incredible authors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, it was curious reading uh, about your work specifically in this new book and this is something that we're also talking to a few authors about mm. that engagement with surrealism you just mentioned mm. it there um, but magical realism a bit of fantasy that little wrinkle in a story that's just a little bit special what was the idea behind putting that in the new novel mm. look it surprises a lot of people because yeah. especially my, the people who know me, my friends, they, they know me as this very practical person yeah, yeah. who mm. never really dabbles in such yeah. things. And, you know, there's even a, a bit of romance and it's a bit of a love story yeah. um, through my, my book. And, and people are also very surprised by that because I'm the practical one, yeah, you know, yeah. always <laughs> <Yeah>. so not <laughs> romantic at all. Yeah. Um, but it is going back to the things I loved in stories sure. as a kid. Mm. Um, and it also sort of is an element of, of why not. And it's yep. fun. It's, yeah. You know, it, it is awesome to imagine these these um, mysterious other things that could be out there. And um, mm. it, I suppose I'm indulging in what I loved in, from yeah. stories. Yeah. yeah. So when you were, um, and we've asked, well, asked you a couple of things we've talked with, with some authors about and the, yeah. the answers have been so varied I've really yeah. enjoyed it um, when you were growing up who were kind of the, the authors or the stories in particular that, that stuck with you the things that really um, you know you kept thinking about or keep coming back to yeah it was a lot of adventure type stories mm-hmm. so there's definitely all the Enid Blyton although you know there's yep. definitely some fantasy in there that mm-hmm. those books had a huge impact on I think the way you know I spent my holidays with my siblings um, yep. you know and Things like Swallows and Amazons, Arthur Ransom, mm-hmm. um, being out on the water and kind of being adventurous and charting the shore and yeah. um, mm. that sort of stuff. Uh, but then there, there was a lot of, 
the fairy tale type yep. books mm, that, that yeah. I really loved as yep. a kid. That was my escape. Um, so that, yeah, that clearly had a big impact, but I suppose I moved away from that a bit. Sure. Mainly my, my mum was definitely guiding me in the direction of all these adventure stories. Yeah. So um, that, that clearly had an impact and <laughs> I've yeah. kind of had the opportunity to come back to it a little bit. Yeah. Sure. Um, so do you find that um, we've also been thinking about, and, and myself, I've been thinking about voice and, you know, finding mm. your voice as an author. And um, did you find that when you kind of, um, or had, were you writing like the whole time or did you kind of work your way into writing um, as you got a bit older? Yeah, definitely. So the first book was just a total whirlwind. Um, yep. You know, it's got to be out fast. A lot of it's yeah, sort sure. of blogs yeah, and yeah. things. I was writing the diaries during the voyage. So I, I don't think I thought much about writing as a process at yeah, that point yeah, it was yeah, just yeah. get it done and um you know what happens and, and of course I had a huge amount of help putting sure, that yeah, together yeah. as something that was publishable mm. so after that I suppose it was a busy few years um doing all sorts of different things but then I was kind of coming back to it and going well look this is something I want to do more of mm. what yeah. do I have to do so I yeah. did start taking opportunities to sort of blog and mm -hmm. I've, I've written for um, some magazines and to, to build up skills and yeah. you yep. know, get that feedback from the sometimes harsh um, <laughs> sub-editors yeah. uh, to put myself through all of that and through uni, you know, make sure I'm enrolling in the, the mm. writing courses yeah. and yeah. just consciously building that up, knowing that I wanted to write this yeah. book. Mm. Okay, did, and did you find that there was a moment in there um, when, sorry, I'm not trying to drill down too much, yeah. did, you, did you find that there was a moment in there when you really um, felt like, you know what, this is, I've really, I'm, I feel like I've found that niche where I really want to sit in or, or that you kind of felt like you were writing in your own voice as you went? I suppose I evolved into it a little bit um, yep. and, you know, it was very much a case of I started the book way before I was probably ready to, you know, before yeah. I had a lot of learning still to go but I'm glad I did that because yep. I prefer to sort of learn along the way and yep. um, mm. there's probably very little of those first few sort of <laughs> bits that I wrote yep. that remains very, very little because yeah. um, I came back and completely redid it but I, I also didn't really know quite where I would sit. I had thought it might actually sit a little bit older um, yep. mm. but, of course, it really doesn't. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a matter of, of discovering that and, and just seeing where I suppose I feel comfortable. Yeah. It's interesting when you speak to different authors and you hear their experiences of voice, but particularly mm. also of their idea of writing themselves mm. into the story or writing yeah. their way into the story, right? Uh, when you put those first words down, they might not be the words that the readers eventually see, yeah. but they're your mm. entry into the story. And it seems like you found that way pretty early. Did you always know that there would be a little bit a little bit of difference, a little bit of that childhood, your childhood of those adventure stories, those fantasies that would come through in the story or was that uh, something that developed later on? Oh, absolutely. I mean, a book, a novel I think is almost more personal than mm. an autobiography. Yeah. I think yeah. it actually yeah. probably reveals more about a person which is, yeah. sure, is yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. tough to admit and um, yep. I suppose that's why it's so scary and, and yeah. many, many authors talk about that to mm put it out there and to have people reading it yeah um yeah yeah i hope people don't realize the extent of what it perhaps <laughs> <Yeah>. reveals <laughs> um but but that's a that's a special thing as well yeah. um you know you certainly say that there's a lot of i've drawn from a lot of other people's experiences in this story but mm. there's also without a doubt so much of myself in it yeah so. I, I think as well uh you think of I, the one thing that i love in general about reading is sure. that um 
Uh, you can pick up a book from a couple of centuries ago and the author is talking straight to you still, which mm -hmm. I find very strange, but I absolutely agree as well with your point about um, revealing more of yourself in there. I know some of the most personal things I've ever written um, haven't been read by anyone yet, but I know they're there mm -hmm. and I know where they come from and especially like the... the place the most, of truth. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And I, I remember um, the way, and I can't remember who said this, but the, the thing that always stuck in my mind was um, push the thing that hurts the most was kind of a, a thing that was said and yeah. it's a, yeah. a way of looking at, and it's not necessarily hurts that always, but it's that thing thing that um, has stuck in you that you draw from and it's when you reach that truth that readers often connect with that because there's a, there's a shared humanity but well, I got deep Ooh. yeah dude <laughs> <laughs> um, so do you, do you feel like this is um, that this kind of path around uh, the more speculative fiction that's where you'd like to, to keep going in I'm not sure mm. um, yeah I don't know. Probably, in a way, possibly not. The next mm. few mm. things that I have in mind, uh, probably not so much in this direction. So, mm. yeah, it's interesting hearing from girls who've read the book uh, and going, "When's the next one?" And I'm going, uh. mm, "I don't know." <laughs> we'll see. Is there a <laughs> um, next one? Yeah, yeah. see. I really don't know how to answer that question, yeah. which yeah. is probably a bit silly that I hadn't, you know, thought it through mm. um, before this point. But sure. um, I'm not sure. I'll. I'll see where it leads me, but I think the yeah the next few things that I've I want to write are probably really going back to that adventure. Um, mm. Yeah. Can I ask you then a bit about your, your writing process? Yeah. So do you, do you write late? Do you write early? Like where are the moments that you find you kind of work your best in terms of your process? Uh, I do love writing late. I would if that was sort of possible, but so often life doesn't really allow you to be you know Absolutely. up through the night yep. and um, mm. not being able to cope the next day. Mm. Uh, the process I took through this book was pretty bad, really, because I was just stealing spare moments all over the place and between so many other things. And, mm. you know, it was my escape for a couple of years through yeah. uni and, yep. um, yeah, all sorts of other projects. But the problem there is obviously that you spend a few hours getting back into it every time mm. you pick it up and yeah. it's just so much wasted time. You know, I needed to block out a week and it probably would have got yeah. so much yeah. done. Um, yeah. You know, it probably would have got it all done in a few months rather than four years. But yeah. at the same time, I think because I was new to it and was learning so much along the way, it needed mm. that time to... The ideas needed that time to come together as well. Yeah, seeing ideas gestate over a period of time is something that's really important as well because mm. it, it matures the idea, you have some time away from it, you're able to process it a bit better, and when you come back to it, it's a little bit more fully formed. Moving forward after this novel, like towards the end of the novel, did you get the feeling of, I've got this idea that I have to write? Or was it more of like, I would just want to take some time to breathe, see how the novel does, and then plan my way through the next one? I was impatient the whole way through. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, the, from the beginning, you know, the reason I suppose yeah. I actually started and put pen to paper or started sure. typing was because I just felt like, why isn't this story being told? You know, it was yeah. the yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. It was very much the story that was kind of. Want, well, I felt it sounds like such a romantic, wonderful thing Sorry. to say, but it, you know, he did want to write it itself, and yep. and yeah. here's me going, well. Why shouldn't I be the one to have a go at writing this story? And mm -hmm. I also kind of went, well, here's my chance to weave sailing into it, and, yeah, 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 um, and mm -hmm. to make sure that that is part of it, rather than somebody else grabbing it and doing it in a different way, um, yeah. and me missing that opportunity to, yeah, hopefully get people to take up sailing. Yeah, <laughs> 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 too massive ulterior motive there as well, but. Um, <laughs> No, but like even just beyond that, like seeing and we're seeing this more and more modern fairy tales is mm, becoming a yeah. thing that's uh, definitely 
in people's minds. You know, we just had Jacqueline Moriarty on mm. talking about how her journey through uh, Specfic and how more and more it's getting in her work. Mm. Um, and that's that's really exciting because there are all these voices that maybe you wouldn't first mm. expect to be writing. And I remember I, I was um, yeah, doing the the thing you should never do, which is to go on Goodreads and have a look at the have a look at what yes. the people yeah. people think. And a lot of it, yeah, no, I absolutely I did that, I, Ian. I do go on Goodreads. I shouldn't. I was just genuinely curious, and the reaction was a lot of people were like, "Wow, I wouldn't have expected this." You know, was yeah. that something that you expected yourself to do? Wow, the the experience of going onto the review sites and <laughs> uh, you know at first I was I was like no I'm not going to do that because I'm sure. I'm not sure how <laughs> yeah and no. I'm, I'm not sure how I'm going to cope with that you yeah. know like, God I don't know if I could handle this you mm. know yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but I, I think a month oh, it wasn't even that it wasn't that long ago I kind of went you know what mm. I know I'm not the world's best author. But I, it's a fun story. I've heard from a yeah, few yeah. people who've enjoyed it. I'm ready to hear what it is, and mm. I'm cool. Not everyone yeah, yeah. has to love it. And yeah. I went on there and went, yeah, they're yeah. saying they're saying what I know. They're yep. saying that, mm. yeah, it's my first novel. They're saying that I'm not, you know, my prose isn't the most beautiful thing you've ever read. <laughs> but it's a fun story. Yep. And, and I went, well, that's what I knew. So that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> that's interesting, isn't it? Because you also find, I think, when you read um, reviews, and I, I have. Oh, yeah, well, should I admit that I've read every review? I've, I've read every you review. You should, you should, you should work. admit this. Um, all right, it's yes, great. So I've read every review of my work. So if you've written one, I've read it. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I think you're absolutely right because it, it is people. We forget that like we're readers too, right? We mm. read things, and we can also be forgiving. And I don't think that's an excuse to not put your best work out there, obviously. But people do. There's there's a um, there's a people if they're if they're already kind of on board and they've picked up your book and mm. say oh look I, I know you know a little bit about um, what Jess has done so yeah I'll give that a shot it's great to hear that that those kind of things come out and I think that's the kind of thing that I would do if I was putting a review up as well I do very conscientiously not put up reviews for people that I know yeah because yeah. that's just a little awkward <laughs> yeah yeah that's a bit harder yeah, yeah. yeah. very um, much so harder. Do, do you find any way that that coming back and uh, and sitting now uh, looking at the completed work. Mm. Um, do you f do you feel that it did it change a lot? I guess from that original idea that you had, were there certain points where you had to make some critical decisions about about changes in there? Yeah, there was a character I really liked to be killed off. Um, not killed off in yeah, yeah, the story, but yes, cut removed. out, yep. removed. <laughs> Didn't go anywhere. Surgically removed. Surgically, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. But there's just and there's, there's so many structural things, and yeah. I love that. I had no yeah, idea yeah, how yeah. much I love the editing process oh, really? and the moving things around to make them flow and get yeah, people yeah, yeah. hooked. Yep. I, yeah, it was kind of just so many like aha moments. Yeah. Like, of course, this is how stories work. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, That's so, really good. Yeah, and the editing was a lot of fun. And that process of working with an editor and like going through the structure, you know, different authors approach that in different ways, you know, and, and um, I understand like a few authors, especially when it's their first work, they mm. get very precious with the words they write. I'm guessing that wasn't your experience at all. No, I, no, and, and actually going back to sort of, you know, reading reviews, I mean, mm. I've always honestly been, I love criticism because yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. much more useful than those general meaningless oh, compliments yeah. that nice. people give. Yes, um, absolutely, And, yeah. you know, it's, it's what, well, you can do something with them, you know, yeah. that, that's yeah. what you want. Yeah, of course, criticism, I suppose, that's just, that's just terrible. Well, the, yeah. what, what do you do with that? But yeah, as yeah. soon as it's um, mm. informed criticism, and, and if anything, you know, the editor was being so nice and not wanting to hurt my feelings, and I'm like, just tell me how it is. <laughs> Come on. Because we're, we're trying to improve it here. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. We're not trying to, um, I'm, it's fine, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know it's not perfect. I know I've got a lot to learn. Just tell me how it is, and we yeah, don't need yeah. to muck around the, the being nice and dancing around feelings. I feel like your editor must have loved working with you <laughs> yeah. based on this, right? Oh, man. Yeah. I, I so. that, that is a question I do have then. So, you know, going through such a different experience, mm. 
how did did you come in with any any preconceptions from from the book when you were younger? I um, mean, how that all kind of worked out, and obviously such a different process and content. Did, did you find that that informed the process, or did you kind of just throw that all away and start from scratch? Uh, not too much. There, I suppose the the few misconceptions I sort of brought to it is this, this pace at which it would happen because you know oh, yeah. this yeah, was yeah, a book yeah, that yeah. had to be published very quickly to yeah. ride the wave of publicity. Basically, yeah, at the time, yeah. uh, things didn't happen nearly that fast this time. <laughs> and for me, it was you know originally when I signed the contract, it was oh gosh, it was a year and a half away that it was the publishing date. And of course, plenty had to be done. But I was going. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I don't even know what I'll be doing in a year and a half. That's another world. Yeah, has that kind of time. Yes, yeah. And of course, it's gone in a flash and gone in an needed instant. a lot of that time to yeah, yeah. to do what it needed to. do. Publishing happen. is definitely a slow burn, right? And being able mm. to accept that, even like time is time is pressure in one sense. Yeah, right? yeah, it's true. Well, I, I don't know if, if people necessarily understand, like you know, working back even just the time that it takes to print a book, you know, your cover, you got all the things. And I think yeah, coming in, I had no idea because you know, all I you coming in with self-publishing where you know you commission a cover yeah, and someone's absolutely. turned around for you in two weeks and you're yeah. back and you got all this control and it's like Whoa. and you're back on goodreads that's right yeah you're back on goodreads <laughs> weeping silently into your coffee yeah you know i mean it's so fast that's why you know all the good coffee spots that's right, right. <laughs> coffee. I'm on, if you come in and i'm on good i'm on goodreads come up and give me a hug yeah, yeah, yeah. but no the um the the process you're right it's it's mm. quite different there so did you find as well though that because uh, a good editor is just it's mm. incredible what they can do did you have some kind of aha moments when they when they just said to you how about this and you're like of uh, course everything Every yeah. single thing really? she said. Oh, there was only a few things, I suppose, I kind of pushed back a little bit on. But, sure. but most of it was like, yes, duh. Why, yeah, why yeah, didn't, yeah, that's fantastic. Of course yeah. that character doesn't go anywhere. Of course she's got to be cut out. Like, yep. yeah. yeah. And th there were so many other little things. The ending I, I pushed back on a little bit because yeah. it is kind of a – you could have taken it a bit further and, you know, showed without giving it all away, you know, exactly how sure. it all played out. But I wanted it just to be a little bit – you know, Nebulous. you get a bit of yeah. satisfaction but a little bit left because I also really just hate that corny American sort yeah. of, you know – Right off into like, the sunset. Yeah, I just – oh, that's too much. Just should have <laughs> ended it just a few minutes before then. Um, yep. And I think the compromise that we actually came up with in the end there is is they put the words the end in to give people the – Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is it. Finality, um, yeah. You know, it's just such a little detail and it's like, yeah, that, that makes sense. That works. So that's yeah, what it right. needed, I suppose. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think it's always interesting hearing publishing journeys, including first publishing journeys with fiction and all that kind of stuff. So thank you very much for coming on, Jess. It's lovely to have you. No, no problem. Thank you so much. No it's problem. Thanks for chatting pleasure. with us. And that wraps up our first episode in this series of podcasts from Somerset. As always, if you have any questions, don't hesitate in contacting us via our Twitter at specficvic. Or come say hi at our upcoming Speculative Fiction Festival right here in Melbourne on the 28th of April. You can find out more information on our website, specfic.com.au. A big thank you to the Somerset Celebration of Literature and to our wonderful guests, Jacqueline Moriarty and Jessica Watson. Thanks, and we'll see you on the next episode.